Hey y'all, welcome to the Convos with Kelsey podcast, the communication project all about cultivating genuine conversations. I bet if I asked you about a conversation that went terribly wrong, you could think of more than one. Hi, I'm Kelsey, and not much gives me more joy than helping others improve their conversations. And I want to thank you for inviting me to come alongside you in your personal, professional, and creative conversations. In this podcast, I want to give you the tools to be true to yourself and to feel confident in any conversation. I believe in people and I love words, so each episode I will be inviting you to join me as I talk with some amazing women who will share their very own impactful conversations, however imperfectly navigated they might have been. So grab a cup of coffee, grab a glass of wine, heck, grab a vat of chips and queso. It doesn't matter. All great conversations start with being comfortable, feeling ready to be vulnerable, and great friends. So let's get to it. Walt Disney once said, when you're curious, you find lots of interesting things to do. With creativity guiding her steps, Gina Seacrest walks through her days as a wife, mom, dental hygienist, and a Disney dream designer. Her passion for people is a driving force in her work to come alongside others and help them not only choose their own happiness, but to create it. In this episode, Gina and I are jumping into negative self-talk, but also delving a little bit deeper into how if you know yourself well, you can have more genuine relationships and conversations. So without further ado, my friend Gina. Hi, Gina. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. I'm so excited that you're here. This is a first for me, but I am excited. So, well, it's a first for me too. So, we're in the same boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, a while back, me and Gina were talking about negative self talk and the effects that it has on our lives. And so, self talk to me is a form of conversation that we're having with ourselves. And personally, my negative self talk rears its ugly head in the form of stories that I tell myself about what other people are thinking of me. And so then I sort of just go down this spiraling rabbit hole and ruins my day or ruins my situations or even ruins other conversations with other people. So what are your thoughts? I think a lot of people are in that same boat because we have this image in our mind that we want people to have of us. I guess everybody's perspective of each other is going to be different. And that's not just on your actions, but it's on where that person is in their life too. It's not all on you. And so I think something that I've learned over probably the last few years, like as I've become a mother and transitioned from only focusing on myself to trying to be happy with my own little pack, you know what I mean? Um, there comes a set, a time when you have to not, you have to let go of what you're worried about other people thinking, and you have to worry about what you're thinking of yourself or your actions. And so I think, I guess what I've focused on and what I've learned to focus on is the conversation in my head is more not self-doubt or so-and-so may think this is negative or not the way it should be, and more focusing on, did I do my best? Did I end the day in a positive way? Did I affect somebody in a positive way that day? And then it becomes more of a natural conversation in my head instead of a beating myself up of what I could have done better. 
Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. So tell me where, how did you get from, and I'm assuming you've had experience with negative self-talk like the rest of us. And so how do you, yeah. how oh, did yeah. you get from that mind frame of negative self-talk or beating yourself up for whatever reason to sort of having this converse, this ongoing conversation that's more positive? The quote that you shared earlier really hits the nail on the head, I think, for me. Because when you're curious about life, your path is going to be so winding and so interesting that it seems messy almost from the outside looking in. And so anybody could look at my story or my what I've been through and be like, oh my gosh, she's all over the map. Like what the heck is her focus and what does she like to do? To me, it was all very natural. I followed my instinct. If there was an opportunity, I would follow it and follow my heart. And that is for everybody. I mean, I could look at anybody's story and they have shifted so many different times. It's not like you choose one path and that's the straight line through your whole life. And think how boring it would be if that was the case. Oh, and thank goodness we don't have to. Yeah, we don't. But when you think about negative self-talk, when, for the example, when you're thinking of what other people think of you, all those turns in, in your road and in your path are what you think of. You're like, oh gosh, I was a dental hygienist and I had a great career. And then I became a mom and then I decided to run for public office, but then we moved back to Twin Falls, and then I became a dream designer for Disney. I mean, all, those are things that I've been through, and when I start to think about what other people's perspective are, I start to get the negative thoughts, like, oh my gosh, do they think this is a bad choice, or do people think that we left one path for another because of negative reasons instead of positive, positive? and then that's when you self-doubt yourself. In reality, I think you just have to realize that everybody is going through their own turns and you cannot compare to anybody. I mean, I guess that sounds kind of cliche, like don't compare to other people, but once you really can be okay with your own choices and that you really did try your best or you're doing what's right for your family, nothing else matters. I mean, nothing, it really doesn't. People's opinion doesn't matter. And really, it, it probably happened for a reason, right? I think, I mm -hmm. think too, back on my own story, going from leadership and medical imaging to clinical education, like how did that even, people probably looked at that part of my story and are like, what? And now into a different role in patient safety and now to think doing things like starting a podcast. If I let myself kind of go there, I, I agree. Yeah. I'll, I'll start being like, I bet people think that I just don't know what I want to do. Or I bet people think that mm -hmm. I'm so unmotivated to finish a thing, you know? Yeah. I start yeah. just kind of spiraling down that vortex of, oh my gosh, they're judging me. Yeah, it's true. And really, I, who has time to judge other people? I don't. To be honest, if they do, I don't either. I honestly, and sometimes I've been accused of having rose-colored glasses towards people, but I don't have time to find the flaws in other people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to hope that people don't have, if they have time to find the flaws in me, then I, that's not worth my time, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and I think some of that has come, like I said, as I've become a mom and gotten, you know, with age, I think you become more comfortable in your own skin and you know, you're going to say negative things and you're going to have self-doubt but you can work through them because you know you're doing what's right. 
And do you have specific things that you do to work through that? Tell me about that. What works for me is exercise really. I'm on my A game when I'm active. I like to journal. I like guided journals and that's probably one of my favorite is a guided journal as far as write about this or what are your thoughts or there's one that I have right now that has different scripture like a little blip and then you write almost for the day. So that I really like. I always have and when I say journaling it's not like dear diary. Thank you. Today this happened and thank you Lord for this blessing. Like I just I have a notebook that I have with me and I just literally write everything in it. If I have a meeting and I take notes, I do it in that notebook. If I write down what I'm grateful for that morning, I write it down in that notebook. And it just is like a timeline of almost like a, like a brain dump when you brain dump things on a paper. And that's really what helps me as far as journaling, I guess, quote unquote, is just dumping things on paper to get them to clear my mind so that I feel like I'm not holding on to stuff from one day to the other. It's not necessarily negative, I guess. There was a time when I was journaling things that were negative, but it was a way for me to vent, I guess. But now I've worked that out to where I know there's people I can talk to, or I have close girlfriends, or obviously my husband, Greg. Like We're at that place in our relationship where we're both we can have the conversation with mutual respect and the same intentions. Like our, our intentions are both to resolve anything that each other are going through. So now I don't really have to vent on paper anymore, but I just think it's a easy way to just get it out. <laughs> and it's not nice either. Like we were saying earlier how um, we have friends that can put words so eloquently and that is not a gift I have. And so on paper, these are not beautifully written things. They are literally just my thoughts on paper. So if someone read it, they'd be like, what the heck is this late? She can't even spell. I, I was listening to this other podcast and they were talking about doing morning papers. And it's not like, I love the idea of guided journals too. So like, I feel like I could maybe switch it switch it up, do a guided journal this day, and then do this morning papers practice another day. And morning papers is essentially just writing things, just writing for four or five minutes. And even if you're like, mm -hmm. I have nothing to write, you just write that. I have nothing to write. I have nothing to write. So your brain starts going naturally to where, where your thought process is, which hopefully it's not negative. And I think it's important to have almost like a plan. Like if you can recognize you're starting to become negative, I need to do this or I need a break or I need to get out of the house. I mean, especially thinking back to the last few months as we've all been cooped up in the house, yeah. there's times where everyone needs alone time. Yes. They need a break. And it is okay to say, I literally need a break for a second. I'm going out in my car to listen to music or whatever. So I think half of the thing is identifying it. So identifying I have this problem or this negative thought and this is what I'm going to do to fix it. I'm an extroverted extrovert. And even I have been like, I need, yep, I got it. I can't talk to anybody right now. I got to go just be for a little bit, recharge and, re yeah. and fix myself. Well, especially when it's like now 24 seven, you're around the same, your family, you're cooped up. And even though we have, we're lucky here in Idaho, we have space, you know, we can go in our yards or on a walk, but it's still all the time. I mean, everyone's mom. I really, 
I really hate to say this, but the word mom is starting to be feel like a cuss word sometimes by the end of the day. I'm like, stop saying that. <laughs> I know. And it's if you don't answer the first time, it's like 60 times they say mom, mom, mom. And you're like, okay. Yeah, you almost just I try not, it. I'm trying not to lose it. <laughs> yeah. I have found something very helpful in saying my self-talk out loud to myself. And Mm -hmm. even though there are days when I don't believe it, and first I was like really embarrassed to do it, but have you ever used affirmations as a technique, like saying your positive things that you want to believe, even though you might not necessarily? I have. And I think there's so many techniques out there. And for me, because I consider myself a lifelong learner, I like to learn just about my anything really myself how I can do better things or my skills can get better how I can help people and I think if you have that mindset you learn all these little tools and you might use this tool one day and then the next this other one works better and I think for me I agree that works one day I'm gonna say in the mirror like you got this you can do this like giving Mm -hmm. yourself like a checkup you know And then the next day, yeah, and then the next day I might not need that. I might need to just write it down because I'm feeling too self-conscious to say it out loud or something. And so without being too, like, self-helpy, you know, I do think the more you learn about self-help, the more options you have to be specific per day. My windshield has heard a lot of affirmations because it's one of the (laughs) safest places, like, no, if no one's with me. Like no one's going to hear me. They might yeah. see me talking to the windshield, but they'll probably just think I'm singing. So I am going to say, I am brave. I am awesome. I am in congruence with my best yeah. self. You know, <laughs> it just, I, yeah. I don't know. It feels like the safest place to do it. Well, and I find too with mine, when I feel the most vulnerable is probably when I'm not seeing a lot of action. Like I'm a very action driven person. I want to see results. I want, I don't want to stir on things and pout. Okay, let's fix them. Let's move forward. And if I'm sitting in that middle place where it's uneasy or there's not a lot of action going on, that's when I get self-conscious of like, okay, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Otherwise I'd be seeing results. And so for me, that probably is the biggest space that I feel the most negative self-talk is when I'm not seeing any results and I'm in this le- this little lingering spot between change in life that I'm most uneasy, I guess. It seems silly, but if if things aren't happening in my life, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Does that no, sound that crazy? No, that sounds like or... you just pulled words right out of my head. Because I feel like it. Like, have you done Strength Finders? Achiever is my number one. So I. So let me see. I had written it down because I'm like, I know this is going to come up. Achiever is one. Communicator. Futuristic. Not a shock to me. Strategic and woo. Those were oh, my. I top. love it. So mine are achiever, significance, input, responsibility. There's another one, but I'll I'll put it in the show notes. But I think what what the point about all this is, is that you kind of have to know yourself too. And I think you have a really strong handle Mm -hmm. on knowing what makes you sort of tick and what makes you sort of when it's not happening. Oh, now I'm going to go negative self-talk. Yeah. Which is what happens to me. Yeah. Hence, there's a podcast creation happening because I felt like nothing was happening. (laughs) And so I got to do something. Yeah. Podcast. Well, 
And isn't, aren't we lucky that we have significant others and other family? Like I've never had to have the conversation where everyone knows I have these ideas, you know, and they're kind of like, oh, Gina's going to do this. And they just support me. I'm so lucky. Like I'm my biggest critic and they're just like, oh, it's another idea. And she's she's going to do do it. it. Like they're, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just, and it's because we're activators. We just have to see it in person and try it. If we don't try it, then it's like, well, then it's going to linger in my brain and drive me insane. So I might as well just do it. What's nice is we, we both have sort of the same motivators, which is achievement or success or doing the thing, but other people might be motivated by being unique. And so they have to find ways. And if they're not feeling like they're being perceived as unique, they might travel down this negative self-talk thing. So I think the first step is knowing yourself and finding space to figure that out. And it's difficult sometimes. Agreed. That would be a great thing to have in the show notes is any kind of link to find out personality type. I mean, a lot of people do that, I feel like, in their careers or in their life sometime, but it really is important to know. You feel like you know yourself all along. However, until I started doing strength finders and these different categories of personalities, I think then it clicks, like a light clicks in your head where you're like, that is me. Like, those are the things that I get excited about. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, why don't I do more of those things? And you'll be so surprised how many things fit into there. I mean, you can fit, like I said, I went from student, dental hygienist, travel agent, I ran for public office, leadership. I mean, all these different things that have nothing to do with each other, except for they all fall into my yeah, personality. What makes you <laughs> sort of feel shiny? There's no better yeah. way to describe it. Yeah. Like, What makes you feel shiny? It makes me feel shiny to be like clicking away at something like, oh, the, here we go. We're doing this thing and it's it's happening. We're making things happen. And if that's not yeah. happening for me, I'm, I, I'm in the negative vortex, right? The first personality yeah. assessment I ever took was strength finders. And I took mm-hmm. a disc assessment and then I found the Enneagram, which I love the very most. I feel like it slammed me right in the face. Like you need to look harder and here it is for you. I'll put all these in the show notes, but I think it's really important to sort of start with discovering yourself and what makes you jump into the negative vortex or what makes you go over here to this. I'm going to shine my light over here. Mm -hmm. And for us, I mean, we're pretty similar. It sounds like in what makes us feel good. The things that really drive you and I are totally opposite that what drive other people. And I can think of friends that I have that I love dearly that their comfort zone is not mine. They're they're at their best when they're sound, everything is very controlled and they are in their space. They aren't pushing any limit. And I can appreciate that because I when I'm in that space, I try to look to those friends what they're doing and how they're so comfortable and happy being there. So when I'm there to ease my anxiety a little bit, I just try to think, okay, what would she do? Or what would he Uh do? You know, like that's who I look to, to, to get through it, I guess, until I come up with another crazy idea. Yep. Okay. I found it. Now (laughs) I'm going back over here to the shiny part. Yes. Yes. I, I, I can recall being in such like almost depression when I was in those spaces where I just needed something Mm -hmm. to focus on. And now I know that about myself. 
But back then I was like, I have no idea what's yeah. going on, but I'm not good. You know? Um, and yeah. I also think it's great to lean on our friends when their strengths are what is needed and to understand that maybe mm -hmm. my achiever, like, let's go get this done fast and do it well and operationalize might not be what's needed. And I might need to be like, Hey, my friend Sarah is really great at sort of slowing yeah. us down and looking <laughs> at everyone's perspectives and making everyone feel safe. So let's ask her to help us with this project. Mm -hmm. I can think back to when some of my friends and I had kids about the same time. And before I had any children, I was working five days a week, long hours. I mean, I went to school for this career and I was going to maximize that, you know, like that's what was really driving me. And then as I had one child, you know, I just took her along with me and it was just, it was fine. As you have two, you can feel like, okay, something's going to break. What do I do in this? You know, I don't want to lose myself, but I can't rely on someone else to make sure that I have a good human. Like I need to make sure that that's my priority. And so I think this pressure of like, okay, I need to give up myself to be a good mom really got to me. And that was hard, really hard. And I had a friend, I had a couple friends that I looked to in that situation. One friend, she is so loving and her priority is her family. Like to the outside world, they'd be like, oh, so-and-so didn't come. Something came up and it becomes a recurring event. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's just, that's how they are. But in her reality, her family was her priority. Her kids were her priority. And if it wasn't working for them, it was not happening. And that is wonderful. I'm like, gosh, I wish I could do that. But I'm like, we made a commitment. We're going to keep doing it. Like, we just have to go, go, go. So I looked to her to try to be more like that. Like, I tried to use those examples to be like, it's okay. I can focus on my kids right now. It's not a big deal. I can say no. I can say that my family is my priority over it. And then another friend at that same time had told me that at every season of your life, things change and it's never permanent. So you can literally be in one stage one year and within the next year, you're in a completely different space. And it's okay because you're moving, you're just moving through these seasons, you know, and it's kind of took the pressure off me. Like I felt like, okay, I'm not going to have to, like, it's okay to pause. And then I'm probably not going to return to exactly what I did, but I can go back to something when it's, when it's time. I, it just was the, those two kind of light bulbs are not natural to me at all. I wish someone would have told me that like three years ago. Yeah. And, it, and it's almost like, and I keep going back to motherhood. I know there are people that will listen that are like, okay, I'm not a mom yet, or I'm not a dad, but it's in any stage of life when you're like, oh, this is just ragging on me. And it's always, it's going to change. Like that is the one certainty in life is that there is always change. So those two examples, their personalities are not the same as mine, but when looking to them for help and examples, it helped me think, okay, although I, my anxiety is high right now, I'm okay. Everything's okay. It's fine to, to lighten up a little bit with the crazy ideas and focus on, on what is important right now. When I was changing careers, that was a hard transition for me because I felt like I was going from the top of my game to knowing nothing. It was 
super huge and hard for me. I wish I would have given myself a small, smaller achievement and then been okay with where I was at. When, and when I say small, like, Kelsey, read this many self-help books. This is your goal for the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the year, yeah. not the this month. Is for the year. And you just are going to do this and then work your way through this phase of your life without feeling like you're a failure. Yeah. Well, and it's hard to realize. And it's kind of funny because as I was reflecting on what we were going to talk about today, I really noted that there's a space before perfection that is worth celebrating. Nobody can be perfect. We all know that. But that's what we're striving for. It's so unrealistic. And if something has to click in your mind to say, it's okay to celebrate a mediocre day or an okay day, or some days you just make it through, everyone's alive and fed. You know, it's just, it's okay to celebrate those things. It doesn't have to be a major life change of perfection to celebrate Mm -hmm. and be happy about. Try to enjoy the journey more. The journey is the part that I've been missing my whole life just because that's the way my brain works. Like, here's the goal. Hurry and get there. Mm -hmm. And Instead Mm -hmm. of like, Mm -hmm. wow, you know what? I learned how to use a microphone and how to record audio and edit it and all that stuff versus, boom, I have a podcast release. I'm really working on enjoying the journey more. And so that's just one example of something that I'm doing right now, but that could be applied to anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, it can. It's just, I wish, I guess this would be an interesting question to ask other guests is what part of the journey is, it's hard for them to enjoy or that they're working on. Because as you see these different personality types, you're going to see different answers. You know, like for us, it is slowing down and enjoying the journey. And for others, it might be celebrating and recognizing the big goal that has been achieved. I mean, I don't know. It it is always interesting to me to learn about others and what makes people tick. And that brings us to the conversation. I mean, just having a, a good conversation is like, oh, okay, like now I can move on with my day. Like it feels good. Unless we really know ourselves too even having a good conversation is hard. So I think it all goes Mm -hmm. back to that. So like if I don't know myself well enough to know that my brain is ticking real fast, in order for me to have a good conversation, I got to do specific things. Like I can't have my phone or I'll get distracted and squirrel over here. So, and that'll Mm -hmm. really depend on personality as well. So, oh, it's so interesting. And that, that has been part of my journey too. Like stop being an interrupter, Kelsey. (laughs) There has been so many times I can think like, I should not have spoke up. Like, why can't I just keep my mouth shut? I just, it's a lesson I'm still learning. See, it's a part of your journey. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't I just stay quiet for a minute? You know, I just need to calm down. Like Taylor Swift would say, I need to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like it's because I've I think I have value add in situations when I speak up. And if I don't say it right then, I'll forget. And then I won't mm-hmm. have been able to help that person. So why, while sometimes I yeah. feel like people think I'm rude because I interrupt, I think it's just from my perspective, it's like, oh, I want to help you in this situation. Let me not forget. So hurry, I'm going to say it, even though you were like mid-sentence. <laughs> yes. And I'm a feedback giver, but I like the feedback too. And that's something that I need to be more gentle with is that the way we get, like you're saying, the way we give feedback or recommendations or ideas, like I love brainstorming. You probably do too. Like a good brainstorm session on any topic is like my jam. So 
in any situation, if I'm talking to somebody and they're bouncing an idea off or telling me they're doing this project, I immediately go into brainstorm mode of let me help you with this. Let me just spout all these ideas off to you and you can go off into the world and create it. But I want to help you. I enjoy that. But it's hard because some people are like, whoa, she came off like a little aggressive. You have to be conscious of how you, the tact of giving the feedback sometimes. Had a couple of hard lessons where I learned like, okay, you are the worst interrupter on the planet, Kelsey. Negative self-talk started happening. Like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible person. I just interrupted a doctor. But you know, if no one told you that, would you have known you were an interrupter? No, I would never have known. I had the same... Yes, you're shocked, huh? I had this the same thing in dental hygiene school. One of my dear friends, Lindsay, told me one time, and she's an extrovert too, so she wasn't scared to tell me. And I think she could identify that I literally didn't know. She's like, Gina, you interrupt so much. You know, here's 19-year-old Gina like, what? Like, I don't interrupt, do I? And she's like, yeah, you interrupt all the time. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know. And so then... That started my journey of, okay, I do interrupt. I'm so sorry. But I, so I try to monitor it, I guess, better now. But I know that I just resort to that. I don't mean to be rude. I don't mean to interrupt, but it happens all the time. So the friend that told me that I interrupt was actually, she's my friend now, but at the time she was my boss. So it was like, (gasps) oh, oh it was devastating to me because I, of course, want to be a great employee. She helped me f- figure out some tricks and I st- I use them all the time. If I have something to write my like fantastic ideas down that I want to contribute to this, I'll write it down so that I can be like, when you said this, I had a thought and I wrote it down. Do you think we could talk about it now? That is a great idea. If I don't have anything to write uh, with is another problem. But I w- if you ever see me clasping my hands together, there's a thought in here. <laughs> There's a thought in my hands that I'm holding there. Like, just remember it. That is a great idea. And see, I'm trying to interrupt you just to say, that's a great idea. (laughs) Great idea. (laughs) So awesome. (laughs) I'm going to use that because it's just, it's not meant to be rude. It's just out of excitement, really. I think it's our kindness just spilling out. And when, when, oh, guy, when the person told you that you were an interrupter, did you go into the vortex? of negativity in your head? Because I sure did. Yeah, I became really self-conscious about it because I felt like I didn't realize that at all. I mean, at this point in hygiene school, I don't think I even had taken any kind of strength finders or any kind of tool to know myself. I mean, I was young. I just was in college and making my way through life, you know? And when she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, like I never want to be rude. I mean, I know there's been times where I'm rude, but I just wouldn't purposely interrupt someone to hurt their feelings or make them feel criticized or anything like that. Like that is never my intention. So when she said that, my initial thought went to that, like, oh my gosh, people must think these things of me. That's hard too, because then you be- you become someone that's not you. Yes. Like you you turn to something you think people want and when it's not you it's really hard like it and it's not fun and it just is it's not natural yeah because someone i think in both our cases someone was lovingly like do you know this yes. <laughs> about yourself oh no we don't <laughs> but it like chipped a little bit away of my soul because that is who i am like i want to help you and 
unfortunately it comes off in communication really poorly sometimes. So I, as a, also as an Enneagram three, I'm like, Oh, someone thinks negatively of me. I let me adjust. And so then I adjusted myself down and I had to unlearn some of that. I think we're image conscious. So I want my image to be a certain way. I want it to come across that I'm caring and that I'm a leader and that I try to empower other people. And when you hear any kind of feedback that works against that, okay, I'm not working towards what I want my image to be. Devastating. (laughs) And that's not just, yeah, and that's not just like social media image. That is who you are and how you affect people. And yeah. Yeah, that was a biggie for me. I can't believe we had the same experience. I wonder if other people have. I guess we'll find out. I'm sure. I mean, people have to have had. And if they are in an interrupter and they haven't, I hope they have someone that loves them that will tell them they are. Or maybe a light bulb will will go off and they'll think, maybe that is me too. And they'll they'll take one of the quizzes or or identify who they are. Yeah, I hope so. I hope people look into these personality assessments at least. In fact, I think you could have whole podcasts on each one for many seasons. It's such a topic that for me, for example, with our dental hygiene CEs, we do an annual session every year. And if there's anything with self-help or understanding yourself or controlling burnout, I, I, I'm loving it. I am there. But there's so many people, I, and I'm, this shocks me because I have enjoyed it so much. There's a lot of people that are like, okay, we've heard it a thousand times. We don't need to listen. And they, it doesn't light them up to learn about it. Or maybe they're just afraid to go into that space. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard because I don't understand that. But it's such a big topic that I don't know how you can't even touch on it, though, with negative self-talk. Because there's no reason for someone to be that hard on themselves. And if they know themselves, then that's going to be easier for them not to negative self-talk in anything. I mean, if it's whether it's weight or whether it's a goal they had in mind they didn't reach. Well, at least if you know yourself, you can be more curious about your own perspectives. Just like we should be curious about other people's perspectives. You can start being like, why why am I an interrupter? Let me let me think about this for a little while. And it's not because I'm rude. That's only because I was trying to improve myself. Otherwise, I would have just been like, yeah, I'm an yeah. interrupter. That's yep. who I am. Yep. But understanding that I have this value add helps you create tools like clasping your hands when you have a thought and nothing to write on or whatever, because a lot of our self-talk is dictates our actions. Mm-hmm. It does. Another story, I guess. When I was transitioning from dental hygiene and really trying to find, I mean, I'm still in dental hygiene, but trying to find something to do that was a little more creative and that was new to me. I guess it's like a mid-mom crisis or something. I don't know. (laughs) Mid-mom crisis is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I was really trying to think back on, I love being, I'm a communicator. I like being social. And so immediately lots of people think, oh, you should do this type of sales or you should do this type of um, networking sale, sale pyramid or whatever, you know? And I just was like, that just didn't intrigue me very much. And so I really tried to think of what did intrigue me at multiple levels. And as I started to review the things that I really loved, that's what pointed me towards Disney, which is kind of funny. So they have a way of creating this Disney bubble that all the details are thought out. 
you seamlessly go from one area to another and enjoy snacks and sights and every sense is stimulated. Meanwhile, you're having this wonderful time with your family and no one's on their phone. They're all just engaged and having fun. So we had experienced that multiple times, my husband and I and our kids, and it continue to as they get bigger. It's just a different experience. But I started to figure out that not everyone has that experience when they go on vacation. I just went on Disney vacation and I should have known you beforehand. Well, and I, it's kind of funny because in my mind, I'm like, you're, you're paying so much money and you have this, especially as the mom who's in charge of planning it and making sure everything's good. You have this ideal that your kids are going to have this magical time and everyone's going to be happy and you get there and especially Disney World. Disneyland's a little bit smaller, but Disney World is so big and there's so much to see and there's so much planning that goes into it to make it not stressful when you get there. That if you don't know those things or if you're not the type of person who is going to look into it and make sure you you do it. I mean, there's so many blogs and there's countless websites and and, and things to research your Disney vacation, but that is overwhelming. So for us, we had had such a great time that I felt like it made me sad other people didn't experience that. And Disney as a company cultivates a lot of the things that I really enjoy, the detail, the orientation they have for the customer, the creativity, the fun. And so I thought, you know what, this is something that I could really learn more about and let's see where it goes. So I finished initial training in November. And as I started to plan vacations for other families, you get so excited for them to go on this trip. You're thinking like, oh my gosh, you can do this. And because I have the training and experience I have, they don't have to do all the research. They don't have to feel stressed. I can literally say, I get to know your family. And then I can literally say, these are all the things that you are going to want to do. And and like in your in your case, you have a, a kid big enough to go on rides, and you have a little little enough to enjoy these other things. And that's what you need is help with direction as far as maximizing your time. Because if you get there and you're walking around and you're thinking this is not enough time, or I don't know where to go, and there's no map, and then you know my three year old's having a fit right now because it's lunchtime and we didn't get a lunch reservation, like all these things happen and your world just melts down in front of you on vacation and you're like, oh no. Like we literally got told, run to, I forget all the names, the castle. Fantasyland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, run there. You gotta, as soon as you get through, you run to the this place. Otherwise you're gonna be in, you, you wanna get to the, oh no. And so then like that gave me such, my husband's like, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> And I had two five-year-olds and a four-year-old. And I'm like, why are we running? Why? This feels like we're, I don't know. It's start, yeah. That's how it started. The first time Greg and I took our girls, we didn't have Emmett yet. Avery was not even two yet. And Tori was almost five. And it was actually less expensive for us to go to Disney World and stay on site than it was to drive to Disneyland and stay on site. So we're like, okay, I guess we're going to Florida. You know, like we just kind of were game for it. We didn't do any reservations. We didn't do any fast passes. We did nothing. We knew nothing. We literally showed up and we're expecting to have the time of our life. And the first day was exactly what you're describing. We ran through the park trying to see things and 
pushing the stroller like a crazy person. And the kids started to get tired and fussy about two o'clock. So we went back to the room and they fell asleep. Greg went to the little gift shop and got a bottle of vodka. (laughs) It started, it started raining. And so we sat out on the little patio there and just like had a few drinks. What is going to, we cannot, we were going to be there for six days. Like we cannot live six days like this. It's not going to be fun. So right there, we decided we are not going to see it all. And you have to be okay with that. We are going to see what we can and have fun doing it. And we'll come back. If we have that much fun, we'll come back. And that's what we've done. I mean, we've literally gone back at least once every year since then. And we still haven't seen it all. But it's just the idea of a realistic perspective. You're not going to see it all. But if you can see the things that are important to your family and are age appropriate, you're going to have a great time. And then you're going to want to come back. Yeah. And I think where people get mixed up is that it's so expensive So we better see everything because we're not going to be back for a long time. The kids have been, I mean, they didn't have any, like they thought it was the best thing ever. And Miles didn't even hardly get to go on any rides, you know, like he was like, oh my gosh, it's magical. But as soon as we got in the car to like leave, when can we come back? My husband started saying, when you're nine. (laughs) They were fine. My little one didn't want to go to school one day. And he said, I don't want to go to school. He's three. I said, well, you have to go to school today, preschool. And he goes, can I go to Grammys? I said, no, you can't go to Grammys. Can I go to Disney World? (laughs) And I thought in my mind, okay, if you can't go to Grammys, you can't go to Disney World right now. Like what their perspective of things is, is just funny sometimes. Man, Grammy should be honored. He picked Grammys before Disney World. I know it's right up there. Well, and people Way to go, Grammy. (laughs) Yeah also will wait oh my oldest is nine and my youngest is five so this is the perfect time we're just gonna go this one time and that's a lot of pressure to put on mom or dad whoever's planning it to think you are gonna have all this cram packed it's not a vacation like a vacation for me and my husband and family is where we have lots of activities we're going it's not a ton of downtime but a vacation for another family is going to be a lot more downtime. I mean, you have to understand what type of dynamic the family is to create their vacation within that location. I mean, everyone... You're like a life coach for yeah. Disney. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's really funny because people think, oh, we're going to Disney and we, we're going to open the park and we're going to close the park and we have to run around and that's just what you do. Well, no, it's not. Like there's so many different types of vacations within Disney that you can have the type that suits you and still have a great time and not run around and like you're going to have the fear of missing out on something. You know? Yeah, that's so awesome. Okay, do you know what this goes back to again? Mm, knowing yourself. <laughs> So that you can tell Gina, hey, this is the kind of Disney vacation that I need. So it will be enjoyable. It's been so anyway, I mean, back to transitioning from dental hygiene, which is nothing like Disney. I more than anything was my own self, my own self doubt of how is this going to look to people? Here you are in dental hygiene. You're active in leadership. Scientifically, dental hygiene is it's in the healthcare realm. And it is not necessarily what you think of a creative profession. And I've found joy in it. I really have. But I was 
self-conscious of what people would think of me going from something like that to planning Disney vacations. I had to get past that and realize it didn't matter what they thought. It mattered how much fun I was going to have doing it. Gosh, it's so awesome. I don't think negative self-talk will ever go away. I think it's always going to linger for people and it's just learning how to deal with it. Recognize it and have tools to deal with it. I teach my kids affirmations too and theirs are hilarious. Like I let them pick them so I'll start them out and say I am brave and they say I am brave but then like eventually they started leading them I love my kitty I love my kitty like that's so cute awesome but like it's just about having tools and that's one thing that I passionate about too is like if I can know myself enough to know when I'm having negative self-talk to recognize when I'm not going to be such a great mom because I'm in that headspace and I can teach them those same tools I think that's where it's at for me And it's really going back to transitioning from your profession to being a mom or a parent in any capacity, really. Like I said, being able to create good humans is more important than anything. And in the world we live in now, like you said, giving them the tools to work through things so that they can live a life that they're proud of or that they can work through these hardships that so many, I mean, so many teenagers and youth work through depression and anxiety. And if they, they don't have to live that way. And if we don't show them how to deal with it, then what the heck? Yeah. Let's start your little lives by knowing you because then you can know it's okay to pivot. And I think too, like it's okay to pivot and it's okay to have negative self-talk, but you got the tools. I always think back to like my mom's told me, I don't even know when she told me this, but it stuck with me that it's not the end of the world, that you can move through it. And so I always think back to things like I can think back to when I was a teenager and my boyfriend and I broke up and, you know, you're in this state of depression and you're just, your life is over in your mind. And my mom's saying that like, this is not the end of the world. You're going to move past this and encourage me to do that. And nowadays you can't really, it's not as simple as saying toughen up, you're going to move past this. It's a little more in depth, but it's the same idea. If your kids don't have that idea in their head that this will pass, we're going to move through it. It can be the end of the world. And that's a whole nother topic that negative self-doubt can come, you know, negative self-talk can lead to. Oh man, I think everybody is just going to love hearing all this stuff. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for kind of diving into it with me. Thank you for having me. It's really, I feel like sometimes I walk away from conversations and think, gosh, I got a lot more out of that than probably anybody else did because I was just able to spit out all my information that I was thinking at the same time. You know, I really do think there's something to be said about knowing yourself and learning to work through your negative thoughts because that is your most difficult conversation. You are your biggest critic. You are the one who has to live with yourself every day. And if you're not happy, then you're letting the negativity control you and not the other way around. That's so true. Okay. So to end up our podcast, we're going to do a lightning round of questions. I've asked every podcast guest these questions and you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. You just okay. spout it out. And if you don't know, okay, you don't know. No big deal. Add somebody to be like, oh, okay, I don't know. Okay. I pass. So however you want to answer them is fine, but I just think it, okay. they're fun. So first question, what is your favorite thing to drink? Coffee. Yes. This is a very mm-hmm. popular answer. 
ice, hot, any any of it. Cold because it sat on the counter mm-hmm. forever. Zap that sucker in the microwave. All right. Favorite book? I'm going to go with, I'll just go with Strength Finders today since I am on that topic, I guess, or train of thought. Right. I love that one. I, ho- I hope everybody who listens to this looks into that. The last show you binge watched? Dead to me. Dead to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I gotta check that one out. I haven't seen it. Was it good? Uh, yeah, I watched the whole thing the last two days. <laughs> I have no kids, so that's why I was able You're to like, do I'm that. You're like, I'm kidless. I'm watching whatever I want. <laughs> if you could talk to any famous person, dead or alive, who would it be? Walt Disney. Walt Disney. That's a perfect answer. Well, and he's such a good example of being interested and so many, just interested in life. And it was not easy. I mean, we see this big corporation now, but it was not not always that way. Yeah. Oh man, that'd be a good conversation to have. All right. Last question. A good, this is fill in the blank. A good conversation requires blank. I would say mutual respect and love. I like it. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you for having such a fabulous conversation with me today. Thank you for having me. It was great. (laughs) Yeah, so good. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Okay, friends. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this as much as I did. If you did, please make sure that you share the episode on social media. Don't forget to tag me at combos with Kelsey and of course tag our fabulous guest if you want to use a hashtag you could use Kelsey's convo corner and of course you're going to want to subscribe to our show so that you don't miss any opportunities to hear our upcoming episodes and if you heard something on the show that you love and want to look into further don't forget to catch the show notes on my website which is KelseyDietz.com. That's K-E-L-S-E-Y-D-I-E-T-Z.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes and links to all the referenced materials and fun things in the episode. Okay, everyone, we know that I am a true believer in conversation making a gigantic impact on our lives. So I hope that you found this episode and all of our episodes, in fact, helpful to your own cultivation of genuine conversations. Until next time.